We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Hey everyone, this is Kyle Dvorak. You can follow me on Twitter at FKyleTheKid. I am joined by my co-host here, Colm Kelly. You can follow him at Overtime Ireland. You're listening to the Rotoviz Radio Season Review. This week we'll be discussing the NFC East, looking at the good, the bad, and the ugly of what happened in the division in 2017. For those of you who don't know, Rotoviz is a sports data and analytics site that publishes over 1,000 articles per year and has a suite of more than 20 proprietary apps. Go to rotoviz.com and check out the site. So, Colm, what's up? Uh, it's all it's all good. Uh, we're getting ready here uh, for the, the second week of the playoffs, obviously. So we're heading into the divisional round. So uh, no, the Eagles are obviously in the divisional round. We might touch on that uh, when we talk through them. I don't know how they're going to do this week, but it's uh, it's fun when you get to the playoffs. Uh, it's the time of the season where it all really matters. So uh, you know, a lot of people finish up with the fantasy football for the year, unless you're involved in DFS. But it's uh, it's always fun to watch these games when what is meant to be the best teams in the NFL are uh, facing off to, to try and have a chance to win to win the Super Bowl in February. Yeah, it was a shame seeing Carson Wentz go down because uh, the only team in the NFC East in the playoffs lost their MVP caliber quarterback, but uh, yep. we'll see. Maybe Nick Foles has some magic. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. I'm sure we'll touch on it in a moment. <laughs> Want to kick this off with the Dallas Cowboys? Yeah, let's let's go for it. Um, you know, we might start off and uh, we'll do it in no particular order. So, uh, second place Dallas Cowboys nine and seven on the season. So, I'll let you take the lead. So, I think two big stories here. Obviously, the Zeke one that's pretty straightforward as to the suspension that was pretty obvious what happened there. 
But the bigger one that's not as easy to unpack here is the Dak Prescott regression. In 2016, he was a total stud. He threw for 3,600 yards, 67.8 completion percentage, 23 touchdowns, to, uh, and a 5-touchdown percentage with a AYA over 8. All of those numbers dropped in the following year. Do you have any idea what happened? I think uh, we can put it down to the simple terms as with Zeke out of the team. That obviously affected them, but it did affect them early in the season as well. The team just weren't as efficient running the ball. Even with Zeke in there, a lot of his production was coming through the air as well as a slight amount of it coming on the ground. So I think the offensive line regressed. That there then obviously didn't give Dak Prescott as much time in the pocket to relax and try and pick those plays. And we've seen him under pressure a lot. The team... Just uh, last year had the perfect kind of blend. We've seen it a few years ago when they had DeMarco Murray running strong, that they were able to keep the offense on the field for long periods of the game, have long extended drives, keep uh, the pressure off the defense, and then, of course, put points on the board. This year, however, they struggled at times running the ball. They got into games where they didn't have that lead, so then the defense was on the field. They were under pressure. They were playing from behind. And I think all that came into it. And if you look at what Dak done as a, as a rookie, there's no way to look around it other than to say it was hugely impressive. Uh, one of the best rookie seasons in recent memory, so I was very impressed from that. It always looked like we had to see a regression. You know, you know, 18 months ago, we weren't talking about Dak Prescott in any way or form. He was coming into the draft. He was going to be a kind of mid to late round prospect. Tony Romo was still the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. So a lot changed last season. He took that mantle as the, the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, which there is a lot of pressure with. Played really, really good football, and then uh, just this year, it didn't all work out for him. Last year, we've seen better play from Dez, we've seen better play from Witten. we've just kind of seen a better Dallas Cowboys team all around and you know the offensive line was the best in the NFL last year it certainly wasn't the best in the NFL this year so I think taking all that into account there's a lot of ways I don't know if Dak actually regressed as a, as a player himself but just his overall production certainly did regress as you mentioned uh, you know his, com- his completions were pretty much the same he had three difference in completions but he had uh, 31 more passes to do that that completion percentage then dropped as a result of that down to 60 2.9 which is still two-thirds completions which isn't all that bad but you know with the way the Cowboys were playing with that short intermediate passing game not as much deep plays you would expect him to have a high completion percentage but you know the disappointing part then is uh, the t- just overall the team I think regressed and without Zeke Zeke is the start of this team when you don't have him in there it is obviously going to hurt do you think it's the same kind of train of thought or have you another reason why that regression might have took place yeah no I think uh one of the big things you hit on was the offensive line. Uh, Tyron Smith, one of the best left tackles in the game, only missed three games this year, ended the season on IR, but he was dealing with groin injuries all season. Uh, he's one of the players who they say always plays through pain, but that definitely, I think, affected him, and losing even 20 to 30% of your output from your all-star left tackle is big. Uh, I'd also say I think we might be nearing the end of Des Bryant. The past three years, per player profiler, he's been outside the top 50 in target premium, basically an efficiency metric relative to receivers on your team. And I think if we're going to see a Des bounce back, it's probably just going to be a touchdown bounce back. For the past two years, he's been about a half point difference in his PPR output if you factor out touchdowns. But two years ago, like you said, he was a really good PPR receiver. And this year, the touchdowns didn't come and it just wasn't there. Do you think if this team comes back to what we saw last year we get a des bounce back or are we nearing the end 
I think we're probably near the end, you know, when a wide receiver starts to get that. The lower leg injuries are concerned. You know, had hamstring injuries, you had that ankle injury a couple of years back. You had the Jones fracture in his foot, which had to be rehealed twice. A lot of that, uh, that happens commonly with people who have Jones fractures. We see it re-injure, second surgery required. We've seen the same with Julio Jones. We've seen a similar thing this year, although he didn't require a second surgery with Greg Olson. So that does tend to happen. I remember uh, Julian Edelman, I think it was last year or the year before, had to have the second surgery. So. Yep. Those surgeries build up. You know, it's not just a case. We, I often say people play, say they play Madden, player gets injured, comes back, it's a computer game, comes back perfectly. You know, we talk about ACLs, MCLs, we talk about, you know, broken feet, broken ankles, different injuries. Oh, they just come back in slot. And we're going to see this week again with Antonio Brown coming back in for the Steelers and going 100% then in a playoff game. Sometimes those things can have a, a very significant impact and that injury can happen very, very swiftly again. So Dez, I think it's just a combination of those building up. I think what the Cowboys need to do, and I don't know if you're going to agree with this, I think they need to take a, a kind of leaf out of what the Cardinals done with Larry Fitzgerald and move him inside. I think Dez with that big body can definitely play that Larry Fitzgerald, that Anquan Bolden style of role. And you mentioned the bounce back with touchdowns. His production has always come up touchdowns. Uh, you know, double-digit touchdowns for a number of years with there. So I think if you put him more in the slot, you know, Witten's getting older as well, have him in there and uh, give Dak that comfort blanket of trying to throw it to Dez and have Dez be that kind of 70 to 90 catch passer each and every season and then use him in and around the red zone. I think we could see production there. Do you think that is a smart move for the Cowboys or do you think that's just uh, me uh, speculating? No, no, I, de- I definitely agree with that, especially for a player like Dez who so so much relies on his physicality and his yeah. burst to get to get his job done. I definitely think moving him into the slot and trying to preserve him into the twilight years of his career would be smart. Also, taking another receiver in the draft I think would be a great move for them. Uh, yeah. Moving on to the star of this team, like you said, totally agree with that. He's what brings this team together in terms of output. Uh, Zeke, he finished as the RB12 while playing only 10 games. Like That's mind-blowing how high of a finish that is for yeah. playing 10 games out of the season. Where are you drafting him next year? Uh, very, very high, I think, is where I'll be, <laughs> I'll be drafting him. Uh, obviously, coming into last season, we had all the concerns of the suspension. Didn't happen to start the season. People then thought, oh, yeah, I'm onto a real winner. Obviously, they got to use him through those early weeks of the season, and the suspension obviously wasn't there for the fantasy playoffs. But as you mentioned, played only 10 games, finishing as the 12th best running back in PPR formats. That is just absolutely awesome. When we look at what we're going to do with him next year in drafts, there's no doubt for me he's going in that first round, and I think he's certainly, I think he's a top five pick looking at it in 2018. I think the, the PPR points are going to be there i think the team's going to improve i think they'll go back to basics try and get that offensive line working and realize that they have to have zeke getting the ball you know 20 times a game on the ground and then getting those five targets through the air so i think we're going to see a lot of work for zeke next year and all reports he seems to have kind of got away from football for a while uh, with the suspension try to clear his head get things back on track maybe this will be a moment where we know he has had his issues off the pitch maybe this year we'll start to get him really focused and we could see a real real uh, if you want to get onto a storyline mode a real real uh, resurgence here from Zeke next season I think that's what we're going to see I think it'll be a monster year for Zeke I don't think he's going to be that top pick overall next year I think we're going to see Todd Gurley fall into that in a lot of situations but I do think top three is not out of the possibility do you have him as high as that? Yeah, I think, I mean, what we saw from him in this year, there was a year, there was a down year for the Cowboys, uh, still finishing as, again, the 12th PPR back in 10 games. It's hard not to take him as a top three back next year. Yeah, so he played two-thirds of the season and was still the 12th best uh, running back in the NFL in terms of uh, fantasy. Yeah, that's that's mind-boggling. So we'll bump on to the Washington Redskins, another team who... 
really throughout the season struggled to impress they finished seven and nine it wasn't a good season they just kind of fumbled their way through the entire season the one bright spot was probably chris thompson who i know we're going to touch on in a little moment but they took in in the off season you know the changes at wide receiver we've seen them take in terrell Pryor. uh you know garçon moved on to the 49ers deshaun jackson moved on to the tampa bay buccaneers and you know, there was talk of a more expanded role for Josh Doxon, but overall it just didn't work. We kind of really didn't see Jordan Reed at all this season, and we kind of seen the disappearance during the season of Vernon Davis. So it was just a tough season all around. Things didn't work out. Offensive line extremely banged up all season long. So I guess the big question uh, when we're looking forward to next season is Kurt Cousins, who played again on the franchise tag this year. I don't think it's really feasible for them to go and look at doing that again. So it looks like Cousins will be on the move. Do you think he's going to re-sign? Uh, and if he does re-sign, or maybe so if he doesn't re-sign, where do you think he might end up? Uh, whether whether or not he re-signs, I have no idea. You see reports all the time that, <laughs> that people in the locker room don't like him. You see the things that coaches love him. I think it's it's really maybe one man in the world knows. But uh, if as far as uh, if he doesn't re-sign, this is a team that's probably got to look to take quarterback in the draft, and uh, in a draft that is really some people consider pretty loaded at quarterback. So I think if he doesn't re-sign, the the fantasy options on this team still have hope if they go to take a quarterback. And uh, if he looks to move, uh, not a ton of great options. I think the Browns. I I've been saying the Browns could benefit from Kirk Cousins. They're one of the teams that they can pay him the most. I believe they're top two or three in cap space. Uh, they can sign him a big paycheck and they've got weapons so i'd love to see that but i think that might just be me dreaming yeah i think a key concept here is going to be with kurt cousins he's made a huge huge amount of money over the last two seasons does he want to go and make a huge amount of money he's going to make a huge amount of money anyway but does he want to make an extreme amount of money and not worry too much about where he thinks the team will go for the next two to three years or does he want to go to a team where he thinks he can win take maybe a couple of dollars a hundred a couple of million dollars less a year and try and get that uh, when you know he might be looking at playing with a wide receiver you know if he's you know i know it's in division but if someone like the giants happen to come in and look for him and he has an opportunity to play with odell beckham you know there's lots of different possibilities just to look you know if the jaguars go all out try to get him which way does he want to look at it with the scenario so i think as you mentioned the the browns do have the cap space we could see the broncos get interested in him john elway likes to, to go after that quarterback so it's going to be very very interesting to see where cousins signed you know, it, statistically, it doesn't look like a great season for him. But if you look and actually watch how he played this year, behind that offensive line, who uh, really and truly uh, were just dismantled this season. They had five O-line on IR this season. There was 19 players in total finishing the season on IR. And a lot of those players were on IR at the halfway stage of the season. They were just really, really banged up. So I think what he'd done behind that offensive line, with the underperforming weapons that he had around him, without his uh, star tight end in uh, Jordan Reed, I think he done a, a fantastic job, and I think people are going to not really appreciate the job that Cousins done this season. Um, do you do you think he uh, was you know had played better than people are expecting, or have thought of him this season, or do you think uh, you know he was just above average? Uh, I think I think uh, his numbers say he was just above average, but like you mentioned, this team was just ravaged by offensive line problems and injuries as a whole. And I gotta say, his receiver play was pretty underwhelming. None of his receivers, when targeted, had above an AYA of eight. His top three, his top three targets in terms of AYA were Chris Thompson, unsurprising. Chris Thompson was electric yeah. this season. Vernon Davis, who cooled, like you said, cooled off midway through the season. Yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty bad. And Samaj Perine, who people don't even think of having good receiving ability. So yeah. uh, I got, I think we saw the. Uh, the big collapse from Terrell Pryor and then Josh Doxson underwhelming again. I think if he goes somewhere, like you said, the Giants with Odell Beckham maybe, or even, like I said, the Browns with Josh Gordon, 
we could see him finally get paired with a, a true stud wide receiver, and then his numbers could explode. So I think yeah. stats-wise he was underwhelming this year, but that might not be on him. Yeah, I think we can look at it. You know, everyone will say, oh, well, you know, the, the Redskins aren't going to let him go to the Giants. But if he has a situation where there's no contract and they can't, they don't want to tag him based on the money or they don't want that whole headache of having him there again if he isn't signed long term. You know, if he walks and the Giants are an option and you look at, you know, Sterling Shepard, who played quite well at the end of the season. And, you know, they have Evan Ingram at the tight end position. You have Odell Beckham. Just no real reason Brandon why. Marshall's still Kurt, hanging around yeah. there. No really reason why Kurt Cousins wouldn't be interested in slotting in there, you know. So I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens, uh, whether he stays, whether he goes. I think I would lean on him going. You mentioned Chris Thompson there. Uh, really, really a uh, solid season from him. Unfortunately, got injured in the midseason. Um, with what he done, 15 PPR points per game, do you think we can see him do that again? I had him in a lot of my best ball leagues, and obviously when he went down, that really hurt. I have him in a lot of my dynasty leagues, and... Uh, you know, he's just really, really solid. That kind of zero RB candidate, the kind of guy we love here at Rotoviz, but he really uh, hit all the marks this year and looked very, very good doing so. 15 PPR points per game is very tough to sustain, especially with the uh, those crazy long runs and long catches he had, just making really insane plays. But I do think uh, the volume that got him to 15 PPR points per game will be there. Uh, they only have Samaj Preen as a real factor in the backfield, so I think he'll still be getting touches there. And like I said, Smosh Preen not really thought of to be much of anything in the re- in the receiving game in terms of out of the backfield. So I think all the targets will be there from the backfield. Touchdowns might regress a bit, but I think volume is ter- in terms of being a uh, this scat back prototype will be there. So I think 15 PPR points might be on the high end, but volume is the big driver here, and he'll have that. Yeah, and obviously with the way the, the Redskins went in the draft last year to get in P. Ryan, uh, they have uh, Thompson there who should be back in time for the season after picking up the injury against the Saints this year when he got rolled up on. But you just have to look around this team. If Cousins goes, the need's going to be a quarterback. If Cousins stays, what way will they look around this team? So it's going to be a very interesting season for the Washington Redskins. Uh, before we get into the New York Giants, I want to mention that you can get yourself a 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass just for listening into the podcast. This discount is for listeners of the podcast only and is available through the NFL podcast homepage, which is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Your subscription will give you unlimited access to all our NFL content and tools. And best of all, it helps support the pod. Again, be sure to get that 30% discount for an NFL pass at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Of course, 30% off now in the off-season. is still the perfect time to get that pass because it's going to take you all the way through next season as well, that 2018 season. Great draft coverage up there. I know a lot of guys are putting in work behind the scenes on the uh, different reports for off-season schedules for teams, whether it's free agency, where the draft needs, where it's talking about the actual players and the prospects in the draft. So lots of great content coming up there on rotaviz.com. So get that 30% discount and... Uh, look after yourself as you get your way and get prepared to win a championship in 2018 so moving on to the the giants we're going to look here it's uh, it was pretty disgusting this year from the new york giants by all yeah. accounts they had at the start of the season we can talk about odell beckham in the middle of the season we'd stare at shepherd and evan ingram come on quarterback play from eli manning was not good they had three wins they had 13 losses they got pretty much dominated on all sides off the ball if you look through just how these teams finished up they had almost 100 points less than the redskins who uh, you know then the, the redskins had 115 points less than the eagles scored so just not good two two at six at home one and seven on the road they did finish the season with a one game win streak so that's very very positive <laughs> if they want to take that in it's a third season. of all wins that's a third of all their wins yeah. you know so uh, maybe they'll go in uh, next year when they win an opening week. That'll be a two-game win streak. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese are out as the head coach and the GM. 
the the search is still going on there. You know, there's major changes coming here for this team. What do you see happening? Obviously, Eli Manning's there too. There's an uncertainty over his future. Will they draft a young quarterback? Will they try and trade Eli Manning away? There's just so, so much to think about. The second overall pick is theirs. Do they go quarterback? You have the floor. Uh, you have the floor, Kyle. Uh, what do you think of the New York Giants? Oh, great. I get the floor to fix this team. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. It was the, the Eli situation was really strange, and I was I was surprised they never they never trotted out Davis Webb once. The the only real young quarterback with any promise for the future they had on that roster never got to see him. Uh, I think I think it's it's very possible they stick with Eli and try to fix this next year because I think. Part of the problem with Eli this year was really not having Odell Beckham. Uh, if you fire up the uh, Road of His Game Splits app, in terms of fantasy points, he was averaging 5.5 PPR points per game more with Odell Beckham since the introduction of Odell Beckham to 14. And in terms of raw stats, he has 0.5 touchdowns more and just shy of 50 yards more. So, like, losing Odell Beckham, I think, is really underrated to how hard that hit his his season personally. But uh yep. I still think uh, if I were running the team, I would look into taking quarterback, but I'm not so sure that's what they'll be doing. Yeah, you mentioned the Davis Webb situation. You know, some two quarterback leagues that I'm in, uh, I have Davis Webb. I picked him up, you know, at some stages during the season just to, to try and have that person sit on the bench and see, looking ahead to this season, see if we could gain some value. But just very surprised, and obviously the way the way it was handled, and you know the bench and Eli Manning just really, really poor taste. And it actually ended that season. I mentioned they won the last game of the season. The actual entire MetLife Stadium, I think that's what they're still calling it up there in Jersey, yeah. the MetLife Stadium. They were uh, just like you know cheering Eli off the field. You'd have thought they had you know won the Super Bowl oh. again in miraculous circumstances. So just uh, the way everything went, the fans turned on the organization, kind of yeah, rooted them with Eli. asking just, him if he wanted to start the game, but they would pull yeah. him. Oh, just so so bad. And then going with Gino, Gino had a meltdown. I know, I know. I think uh, at times I I say that Gino's better than people ex- think of him, but uh, he didn't really prove that this time around. So we have uh, Eli there. I think you know it's very very likely that you're going to have to go. Maybe not in that first round. I don't think they'll go quarterback in the first round unless they do move Eli this year. But you have to be thinking uh, future, and you have to be, you know, either they think Davis Webb is absolutely terrible, or they just didn't want to give him an opportunity this season. So it's tough to really call on that one. Um, defensively, then you know you have the whole situation with Eli Apple, and you know his teammates call him a cancer in the mm-hmm. locker room, and it's just a, it just really was a mess. So that from top to bottom, this team really needs to have a, a good strong look at itself maybe start the problem with it is if you keep Eli Manning you're not really starting afresh you're tr- just trying to put a bandaid over it you know we talked about the wide receivers that they have and the talent that's there I know Brenton Marshall could be back again this year it's just you kind of have that core now of um, you know Odell you have uh, Sterling and Shepard and you have Ingram go with the core go with those young players get that young quarterback in and start to build because this team I do think is three or four years away from uh, you know, really challenge, and maybe maybe the Giants throw uh, you know some some cap space and go get uh, Cousins, as we mentioned, and they can be there quicker. But I think it is a, a development plan that's going to take a little bit longer in New York with the Giants. Do you think you know that uh, they need to go and just really start afresh, or do you think they're going to try and band it over it as we mentioned with Eli? I think they should start afresh, but there's definitely a chance they bandage over it. Uh, with that bandage being potentially Saquon Barkley, the last time this team had a thousand-yard rusher was Ahmad Bradshaw in 2012. As far yeah. as teams that I've put on official Saquon Barkley watch, this is one of them. And I think you know he's he's the player that everyone's expecting to have that round that uh, round one Zeke type impact. So uh, this is one of the teams I'd put on that watch list. 
Yeah, and just from just looking back, you know, basically back to Todd Gurley was taken in the first round. That was one of the first running backs taken that high. I think he went eighth overall, maybe at the time, was it? Uh, and then you obviously had uh, the situation with Zeke. Then this year you had Fournette. We've really ramped up our quarterbacks in the first round, uh, particularly those top ten picks over the last uh, couple of seasons. Prior to that, we were looking at the second round for the first running backs off the board. So running backs coming out of college at the moment really uh, looking good and having a lot of value. So maybe they go that way with the Giants. There's no doubt about it. They do need that uh, running back to be able to handle the workload they have not had it so we're going to finish off with the team that won the division the strongest team in the division by quite some distance the strongest team in the nfc in total they finished 13 and 3 7 and 1 at home 6 and 2 on the road they did lose that last game of the season uh, you know they had nick Foles under center and of course that there tells you the story of what happened in this season with Carson Wentz picking up that injury, diving for the end zone, you know, you could see at the time that he was struggling as he walked off the field we were hoping it wasn't going to be as bad as it was but it was as bad as it was and it was as bad as it could be for uh, the Eagles fans. Carson Wentz at that stage was possibly going to be the MVP of the league it was a game where he had just thrown his fourth touchdown pass to Alshon Jeffrey he was just, uh, he was balling out, that's pretty much the simple way to say it, we talked about Goff and how he improved from year one to year two with the Rams but there's no doubt about it, Carson Wentz just uh, was looking phenomenal this season looking like the real deal I think he looks like the real deal uh, you on board with uh, Carson Wentz uh, and did you think he was an MVP candidate at that time? He was definitely an MVP candidate at the time, no doubt uh, is he the real deal? I would say he is the real deal for sure but he is not as real as we saw this last season uh, to, put a season <laughs> to put a season in perspective he had a 7.5% touchdown rate, led the league this year that would be the second-best Aaron Rodgers touchdown rate of all Aaron Rodgers' seasons. So to expect that to happen again, that's not real. But in terms of him being one of the more talented quarterbacks in the league, that certainly is real. Uh, talking about uh, you know what's real and what's not real, obviously I'm a Packers fan and we missed out on Aaron Rodgers for quite the season. We've seen what happened there. Very interesting to know now that we're starting to compare, not by the best seasons of all time, but the best Aaron Rodgers season. So it'd that's, be the second that's best. the metric. We just compare yeah. things to Aaron Rodgers' seasons. Yeah. That's how good he is. But the second year, huge development for him. So obviously the injury is going to sideline him a bit, but uh, he'll be back and ready hopefully for next season. I always mention, I mentioned it earlier in the show, people think these guys just walk back in. Obviously modern medicine is great. The modern techniques for recovering from injury is great. But still these guys have to go through a lot mentally and physically to get back in there. And there's no guarantee we've seen with Andrew Luck. I know this is a different injury, but you know, it can take Andrew Luck has a completely lost season on his resume now based on just the way the team took care of him at the time. So we'll see uh, how Carson Wentz does for next season. But like we mentioned with Dak Prescott earlier, we probably will see a little bit of regression here. But he's developing. You know, they've signed Alison Jeffrey to a long term deal. They've Zach Ertz there, Nelson Aguilar's improved a lot. Uh, Tory Smith was there this year, but he's obviously going to be moved along. But uh, will not keep on him, but they, they're just building a nice nucleus there, solid defense, everything seems to be going in the right way for the Eagles, but the problem for them is now that they have uh, a quarterback who things aren't really moving in the right way for, and it's Nick Foles, is there any way you can see this team, you know, if we take it to just looking forward to this weekend, playing, uh, you know, in the divisional round, is there any way they can work past this Atlanta Falcons team? Uh, I was talking earlier this week on my podcast that you look at the the Eagles, they had held home field advantage and then they go into the divisional round and they're not even the favourites at home against uh, one of the lower seeds in, in the conference. So, uh, you know, that's that doesn't happen very often that the road team's the favourite after this team gets a bye. So any chance, any chance of that upset happening this week? Yeah, so I was looking through, I went to uh, the past 10 years, highest touchdown rates and... Uh, Carson Wentz ranks, I believe it was fifth, that 7.5%. Just above him there, 
Nick Foles as one of the oh. top five TD percents Chip from, Kelly. That famous, from that famous Nick Foles season. Yeah. Uh, it's one game. One game's a small sample. Anything could happen. I definitely see why they are not the favorite, but crazier things have happened. I think it's still possible, and Eagles fans hold out hope. It's not over yet. Yeah, and we we seen the surprises last week, and I know um, you know we could see, we will see a surprise this week. It doesn't usually. We think we know everything, then uh, we're just after the games we realize that we know absolutely nothing. So you mentioned Nick Foles, that big season he had. I think he played in Oakland that year uh, for for the Eagles, and I think did he tie Peyton Manning's record? I think for maybe was it six or seven touchdowns in a single game that year? Yeah, he had the one crazy touchdown game that yeah. year. So uh, maybe maybe it's not all lost, Eagles fans. Hold out hope for uh, this coming uh, this coming weekend. But of course, there's uh, a lot to be positive for heading into 2018. So uh, what do you make of the receiving core? I mentioned Torrey Smith likely not going to be there. He had 68 targets this year, only brought in half of them. Uh, you know, Nelson Aguilar was a big bright spot on this team. A lot of people last offseason didn't even want to draft him, and and 20 round drafts. He had 95 targets, 62 receptions, finished with eight touchdowns. 301 yards after the catch, which uh, was very, very impressive, I thought, from him. That was almost, uh, it's well over a third, but almost a half of his total receiving yards. Alison Jeffrey came over as a one-year free agent, signed long-term now. He had 57 receptions. Zach Ertz then led the team with 74 receptions. So if you look at the the perception uh, you know, around this team, obviously the number one receivers, I guess we'll call them number one receivers, 1A and 1B, is Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz. They both had over 100 targets, 110 for Ertz, 120 for Jeffrey. But if you look at Aguilar then and the percentage of passes that he caught, he had 95 targets, 62 receptions, a much, much better overall majority like if you look at um with uh alshon jeffrey 120 targets just the 57 reception so i think that the production Aguilar had this year was probably the most impressive out of all these wide receivers how do you see it uh, shaking out heading in to 2018 i uh, definitely agree that the efficiency nelson Aguilar showed especially relative to someone like alshon jeffrey who didn't catch nearly as many of his targets uh, was extremely impressive especially for a player a lot of people had written off with that being said i think nelson Aguilar is one of my bigger sells only because if you look at target share, he's third in the team in target share with 17%. Market share of air yards per Josh Hermsmeyer's airyards.com. He is at 19% tied to Zach Ertz, for second on the team. So essentially the third receiver on the team, it's hard to buy into that, especially with uh, it. I think it's almost impossible to expect uh, Carson Wentz to retain those touchdown numbers. So possibly a touchdown regression with not a lot of targets or air yards coming in. Especially people see he's 24 years old, want to get in on the ground floor or something special. Yep. I think he'll be my biggest sell in terms of this team, at least. Yeah, I do think that. And a lot of times, you know, I don't know, most of our listeners probably look the same way, but I tend to look at, and particularly in dynasty leagues, at these players pretty much like as if you were looking at a, a stock option, you know, and and uh, and the markets. And you know, if you have somebody last year who was worth nothing, and this year they're worth. Well, uh, just say they're worth one because if they're worth nothing, they can't be worth a hundred times more. But if they're worth one and they're worth a hundred times more now, you can trade him and and uh, cash in and get that value in it because uh, him to be able to, as you mentioned, do this next year based on the 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 yards that he got this season, the efficiency he had this year. I think there's really no option that we can see that Alshon Jeffrey and Ertz, without having injuries, do not uh, you know suffer and uh, let Aguilar overtake them in terms of the the pecking order there. So. Although I do think he'll still continue to grow, I think the other two guys there are the options that I really want to have, and I have a lot of Alshon Jeffrey shares. Of, you know, I've listened to the debates for a long, long time about his injury prone, his hamstrings are bad, over and over and over again. But when he's on the field, I think uh, he's just uh, a really dominant player. 
And uh, a bit like what Des Bryant was a couple of years back, I think we can see Alshon develop into that with Wentz down there in Philadelphia. So I guess we'll move on now to the Eagles running game. Obviously, they traded mid-season for JJ, and um, that there made a little bit of an impact. It's kind of been still a backfield by committee, a couple of different headed monsters in there. We've seen Blunt, and we've seen Ajay, we've seen Corey Clement in there. But overall, I think if we're looking at the, the efficiency, we have to we have to look at JJ and think that he has had a, a nice impact here. He's talking this week about how he feels fresh heading into the playoffs. And I think that's probably the, the plan of the Eagles all along, is to try and keep rotating these guys, keep them healthy, keep them ready for the, the big spell here. And obviously, Ajay as well, when he came over from the Dolphins, he was going to take some time to learn the playbook. So what have you made uh, as you evaluate the Ajay trade now, uh, kind of halfway through the season more to, to look back at it? Yeah, last year we saw Ajay really put up some crazy numbers, and for the cost of a fourth-round pick, it's hard not yeah. to take take that as the Eagles, even if you had LeGarrette Blunt doing well so far in the season. So I think just in terms of value, that's a that's a pretty easy trade to make. And uh, like you said, they've been limiting his numbers, but uh, I think that's in part because we we saw him fall so far in the draft because of these uh, these knee problems where they said his knee wouldn't last him more than a few years. So I think if they have this committee going where they can take his touches back a little bit but get him really high efficiency, like I think he's above five yards per carry right now, and I know all of the running backs, Corey Clement, LeGarrette Blunt, and JJ are above four yards per carry. So if all of them are being extremely efficient in their touches, I like the way they're using their running backs, and it makes sense why they acquired JJ. Yeah, and you take him in, you don't give him that much workload. On the season, this includes uh, week two for the for the Dolphins, he had 28 carries. Uh, week five, he had uh, 25. Week six, he had 26. So he had big total carries early in the season, but he finishes the year with just 208 rushing attempts. Uh, so a very low number there, but he did finish with 4.2 yards per carry on average. He was finishing 62.4 yards on the ground at 200-yard games. He only had one rushing touchdown, but he did do some nice work through the air this season, which is something that you know people were talking about. Coming out of college, there was talk about him being good in the receiving game, but then playing with the Eagles uh, and playing, sorry, playing with the Miami Dolphins, it was something that people started to, to lock away from. He had 24 receptions on the season, averaging 11.3 per carry. So I, I was very impressed with him overall. The knees are still a concern, but, you know, you mentioned at the cost, you just had to go with it. So if you look at what he's done, you know, he had eight carries, seven, five carries, nine. Then he started to ramp up over the last couple of weeks. He had 15, then 12, then 14, and then he had a week uh, 17 off. So they have been starting to work him into the game plan a little bit more, and I think we'll see a quite a quite a good dose of him this week, you know, with the quarterback situation with Nick Foles there. And I expect if the Eagles do go on to win this week, it's going to be a huge part of it. It's going to be down to JJ. I think they're pretty much going to run him into the ground uh, in this playoff game to see if they can get the job done there. So when we look around the teams, obviously we've kind of run through them all. We've kind of touched on different different topics. Is there any uh, general areas of the division? Like, were you surprised by any aspects of how it all went? Anything that you think can change for 2018? Is there anything in general you want to add in there? Uh? Yeah, I think the big storylines here will be the QBs. Uh, like you said, the I think Kirk Cousins probably the most pressing. But uh, Kirk Cousins potentially finding a home in New York with the Giants or maybe moving on elsewhere. Uh, will we see our Carson Wentz regression and also our Dak Prescott regression in the upwards direction? <laughs> uh, and then some teams that were kind of just snake bitten with bad luck, like the Giants losing most of their receiving core early in the season, or the uh, the Redskins ending with 19 players on IR, including five offensive linemen. So I think we'll probably see the Eagles maybe come back down to earth a little bit, but we could see some of the other teams move back up towards the Eagles. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. I think the Eagles still will be the, the real strength of this division next year. I really like what they've done both offensively and defensively. I think there's a, a nice, I think they're one of the most balanced teams in the NFL. 
they can pretty much win the game in any way. If they need to run the ball, they can run. If they need to pass the ball, they can pass it. They can play that, you know, tough, uh, hard-nosed style on defense and see it out. So it's going to be interesting uh, how they do this week in the divisional round. But I think the the team is for real. Unfortunately, the quarterback uh, situation at the moment has really bitten them there. I think we'll see, as you mentioned, the bounce back from the Cowboys a little bit. I think we'll see the Giants bounce back. I'm very, very fascinated just with the quarterbacks. I think in all the divisions in football, this is the most interesting one for the quarterbacks. Because even with the Eagles, they have their quarterback set in stone for the next you know 10 years. But he's out, he's out injured. He has to work his way back from injury. So there's a lot, a lot of different things can happen over the course of the offseason. So it's, uh, it's going to be a really interesting division for 2018, but it, it was fascinating this year uh, for, for some of the right reasons and for some of the wrong reasons. Well, that's going to do it for the NFC East Season Recap episode. I'm Kyle Dvorak. You can check me out on Twitter at FFKyleTheKid. My co-host this week was Colm Kelly. You can check him out at Overtime Ireland. Make sure you check out the rest of our Season Recap series. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Recap Series. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. They call you the Grill Master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.